Chet Tishrei, Tafshin Ayin Vav. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Shana Tova, welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> See that coming? Welcome one and all. We are live. Immediately following JM in the AM. 9 AM Eastern Time, 4 PM Israel Time. Welcome to the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten here on the Nachum Siegel Network. We've had a little vacation. We took uh, some time off towards the end of the uh, season. We're back. We, we, we're rested. I guess. <laughs> Not totally, because we have a day job as well. 
Um, and uh, we're happy to be back with you, bring you great programming on season number four on the Nachum Siegel Network. So that brand new Adon HaSelichot is a collaboration between the um, Israeli singer Hanan Ben-Ari, who we've featured here before, with uh, Mimchad Eli, a great hit song that he uh, came out with uh, a few months ago, and an Israeli rapper whose name is E-Z, the letter is E-Z in English. And And to some extent, this to me symbolizes so much of what's happening in Israel now. There's a, a return by so many to their roots in different ways. It takes different uh, manifestations. But that a rapper is joining with a uh, Orthodox Kipastruga wearing singer to put together a song based on the Selichot, the very famous Svarek Selichot Adonis. And listen to, somebody, listen to somebody's words. Besides the classic words that are part of the piyut, they add in a verse. And I come back to you every year after the, after the year is up. I ask your forgiveness. I atone. Do you accept it? Let's talk about everything that has happened over the years. The good and the bad. You're a father. And a king. And how is it that in my life I always focused on what I don't have? I'm running out. I'm emptying out. I've lost my way. That which I've ruined. That's what, that with which I have destroyed. Help me. Allow me to fix it. Mitchanen kemoben. I am pleading with you like a son. Well, I'm not a big rap fan, but that's one heck of a piece of rap. There is, um, Two vid- there are two videos associated with this song. We'll post them later on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Between the Facebook and the YouTube video, between those two videos, over 200,000 people have seen this and have been touched by it. It only came out a few days ago. And the uh, news release that goes with it says that these two artists continue to proudly fly the flag. The fight for Ahavat Chinam. That is really beautiful. Happy that we're able to bring it to you here. It is brand new out of Israel. And as I say, we'll post video two video links to it later in the day. Um, we have a great show, special Erev Erev Yom Kippurim show. The music will reflect that. We also have, I don't know, this is an awesome story out of Israel about a fighter, a Jewish fighter who fell in 1948 and for whom there was a special ceremony a few weeks ago on Mount Herzl. Sixty, what, seven years later? 
We'll tell you all about that. It's very interesting. In the meantime, we're going to debut another song. This is a collaboration of two brothers, two very famous brothers in Jewish music, Aaron Razel and Yonatan Razel. Just put out a song to the words of the Slichot, Machei Umasei. God hits us and then he heals us. He kills and he brings uh, out of death or brings new life. He brings from the Sha'ol from, from, from where the dead people go to the world, the everlasting world, Chaye Olam. And then it continues, when a, when a son sins, the father hits him. A father that has compassion on his child, after he hits him for the purpose of teaching him, he eases his, his suffering and he helps heal the wounds. Not going to go through the whole pute. Hope that you enjoy this brand new debut of the Razel brothers, Aaron Razel. It says it's Aaron Razel hosting Yonatan Razel with this song, Machay Umasei. Brand new out of Israel. Very appropriate for the period of Slichot Ben Keselasor. My name is Mayor Weingart and I thank you so much for joining us here on the Israel Show. Coming to you from the Nahum Siegel Network.
Right here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. That was uh, the brothers. Aaron and Yonatan Razel. Well, we promised, you know, we when we're live... It's so interesting because news breaks, things come out, and I want to talk about them, but I'll just tease and say that just now, literally a few minutes ago, as it happens every year, a few days before Yom Kippur, the Israeli Department of Defense, the archive of Tzahal, release documents about the Yom Kippur War. We'll talk about it a little later. And they did so again just now. There usually is... Not any major news coming out of it. Pretty much everybody knows by now what happened. But um, certain things were were classified and now become available. And uh, we'll talk about it maybe next week. Well, not next week, but next time we uh, we're on. Um, we promised you a story, and we're gonna we're gonna share it with you. And uh, special thanks to an outstanding Israeli journalist who. Uh, brought the story to our attention. Her name is Sivan Rahav Meir. If you live in Israel, you probably know her. You see her on TV, on Channel 2, on their news broadcast. She sometimes anchors the news shows. And she also has a column every week in uh, the weekend edition of Yidiot Achronot, which is where this comes from. And it's the story, uh, I've embellished, not embellished, I've added many details that weren't in the story that I've researched over the last couple of weeks. It's the story of Moshe Aharonov. You probably never heard of Moshe Aharonov. I didn't either until recently. He was born in August of 1925. August of 1925, he was born in Beirut, Lebanon. 
Jewish family that had lived in Israel had to leave Israel, moved to Lebanon. At that point, it wasn't a big deal before the state. And their son, Moshe, was born in Beirut. When he was 10, his parents left Lebanon and returned to Israel and settled in Yerushalayim. At age 11, a year after they returned to Israel, his father died. And he was left to support his family, his mother, together with his sister and a brother. He became a welder and a very good one. He worked for the Haganah, becoming also an expert in explosives. He even opened his own workshop for welding and, and became an independent businessman and was able to make a good living supporting his mother and his family. But, as the United Nations Partition Plan began taking effect end of 1947 and through the beginnings of 1948, the neighboring Arab states started their assault on Israel. Moshe Aharonov left his business and devoted himself full-time to defending the newborn state of Israel, or the state on the way. Now, many of us forget that Yerushalayim, at that time, end of 47, through middle of 48 and on, Yerushalayim was under siege. The residents of the old city of Yerushalayim were lacking for food, for water, for medical supplies, for ammunition, and for basic necessities. And as the Arab states attacked Israel from all sides immediately after the Declaration of Independence on Hey Iyar, Tashach, 14th of May, 15th of May, 1948, the Haganah and the Etzel, each one separately, both attempted to break through to the old city of Yerushalayim, possibly to liberate it from Jordanian's occupation, but at least to bring supplies to the Jews trapped within the walls and possibly to get them out. Moshe Aharonov was one of those fighting men. But he wouldn't live to see beyond the fourth day of Israel's independence. He wouldn't live to see that 19 years later Yerushalayim would actually be liberated and continue to be a united city years and years after. He was killed on Tet Iyar in the fighting just outside Shar Yafo, the Jaffa Gate. You know Yerushalayim, if you know Yerushalayim, you know where the Mamilo Wall is near the David Citadel Hotel, near the Jaffa Gate, that beautiful mall that people shop at, that's where he fell in that area. Now, no Jewish troops were able to break through to the old city, and the hopes of the new government that Yushalayim, which was originally declared an international city by the UN, but once the war broke out, everything was open, the hopes of the government were dashed. The residents of the old city were rounded up and taken captive. And as many of you know, every one of the dozens and dozens of synagogues in the old city, in the Jewish quarter, were destroyed by the Arab Legion, the cemetery on top of Harazetim, 
A great part of it was decimated and destroyed as well. Back to Moshe Aharonov. As often happens in the fog of war, it was unclear at that time when and where Moshe fell. His family wanted to know what happened to him. And in the fog of war, with a small Israeli army just barely hanging on, it was not possible to pinpoint what happened to his body. His parents, I mean his mother actually, his brother, his sister, were told that he was buried inside the walls of the old city in a common grave with all the Jewish fighters, a kever achim. In fact, I'm, I'm looking at a picture now, I'll try and post it later. There is a plaque on Hartzion to this very day, listing those who tried to break through or those who fought in the old city of Yerushalayim and were killed and were buried in this common grave. And his name, I see it right there. Aharon of Moshe is on that, is on that plaque. Well, in 1967, when Israel returned to the old city of Yerushalayim, they knew where this grave was, this Kever Achim. They dug up the bones and they moved them to a proper burial place on Harazetim. But the family still felt that something was wrong. They felt uncomfortable. They knew from Moshe's fellow soldiers that he died outside the walls. They knew that the troops never made it into the old city. So how could Moshe be buried in the old city if he died outside the walls? He was killed outside the walls and never made it in. We'll take a quick break. We'll have some, uh, we'll have a debut, some new music, beautiful music, and we'll tell you the rest of this amazing story. When we return, this is from um, Uri Harpaz. Those of you into uh, Israeli music, he he is uh, half of the Parvarim duo, uh, amazing guitarist. He put out a brand new album, just came out a few days ago, an instrumental album playing songs of Nahum Heyman. We these are Israeli classic songs. One of these is Eretz Shivat Haminim, a song that we play on Jam and the AM every year on Tubishvat. This is the uh, instrumental version of it, brand new, off of this uh, new disc called Uri Harpazman again, Nahum Heyman. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network.
Shivat Aminim, Uri Harpazman, again, Nahum Heiman, a brand new album, just released in Israel, beautiful instrumentals by um, Uri Harpaz, half of the Parvarim. My name is Mayor Weingarten, you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are telling you the story of uh, Moshe Aharonov, who was killed four days after the State of Israel was declared. He was shot in battle at the spot that today people are shopping in Yerushalayim, known as the Malchamol. But it seems that in all the confusion of the war and the founding of the state, the army lost track of his body. They told the family that he was killed and that he was buried in this common grave in uh, the Jewish quarter in Yerushalayim. But somehow the family, especially his brother, weren't convinced. They knew that he fell outside of the walls of the old city. They knew that the Haganah and the Etzel never made it into the old city. So how could it be that he was killed outside the old city and somehow his body got into the old city? Well, as the years went by and his siblings were aging, his brother went on a campaign to try and get the army to look into this again. And so the chief chaplaincy, the chaplaincy, I should say, of the Israeli army, they are tasked with this job of locating missing soldiers, identifying bodies and such, bringing them to burial, of course. And they have expertise, especially in in our times with the sciences that we have. They have tremendous expertise in identifying bodies. And they began piecing together little bits of information. They had a report from uh, from the Jordanian army about a body that was returned to, to Israel in 48. And they had other eyewitnesses about where he fell and, and so forth. And they reached a conclusion... A, a, they, it was an assumption that they were making, a possibility, that a certain grave on Har Herzl, on the Israeli military cemetery on Mount Herzl, that grave that has been there since 1948 has been marked Al-Moni, which is anonymous, unknown. That grave might, in fact, be the grave of Moshe Aharonov. Well, there's one way to find out. And last year, early uh, in the spring of 2014, the army took a DNA sample from his aging sister. And the plan was to open the grave and take a small sampling of DNA from the bones that remain and compare them and to see actually to prove the theory that they posited. Unfortunately, just as they were about to do this, Eyal Gilad and Naftali were kidnapped and killed. Immediately after that was Operation Protective Edge, and the unit was overwhelmed and the plans were postponed. Well, this summer, just a few months ago, the DNA sample from the anonymous grave, the grave that was atop Mount Herzl, Har Herzl, Israel's military cemetery, 
for 67 years marked Almoni, anonymous. The sample, the DNA sample, was compared to the DNA of his sister and came back a match. The DNAs come from immediate blood relatives, brothers, and sisters. And so it was conclusive that this unknown grave was in fact the burial place of Moshe Aharonov. Sadly, the sister passed away just two and a half weeks before the results came in. Well, this past August, just a few weeks ago, on Mount Herzl, a very special ceremony took place. It's unusual. It's not a burial. It's not a yardside commemoration, a memorial. Actually, it was the changing of a tombstone. From one that read Almoni Anonymous to a new one that reads in the same format that all the other tombstones read, Moshe Aharonov ben Nizir Aviyakov Nolad Bilivanon Be'elef Chamot Yisrim V'chamesh Born in Lebanon, 1925, Allah be'elef came to Israel in 1934, He fell in the attempted entry to the old city on Tet Iyar, 1948. He was only 20 three years old when he was killed and 67 years later the state of Israel paid the debt it owed to Moshe to his family and to itself
alila, Eleonora, alila, Amitila, Numechila, Mayor Banai of his album, Shma Koli, Kel Nora Alila, is uh, a piyut that the uh, Sephardim say on these high holidays. It was written by Rabbi Moshe Ibn Ezra, not Avram Ibn Ezra that we know from the Humash and other places. This is Rabbi Moshe Ibn Ezra, who was a great poet, lived from approximately 1055 to 1140. And... Um, it's it's just it's really beautiful. I, I've come to love many of the Sephardic uh, piyutim that have been put to modern song. Another one is Hipateh. I do not know if we'll have time, although it's on my playlist for today. But it seems that there is always too much on my playlist for any particular day. <laughs> this show is sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, providing uh, Olim with tons of resources. That makes each individual's alias as successful as possible. What a summer they had. Two charter flights, many group flights. The broadcast that Nachum did from the second charter flight this uh, summer were, were just awesome. You get to really feel what it's like to be on that plane, to be with the people that are making aliyah, that are making a positive change in their lives, as we should all be thinking about, especially during these Yamim Noraim. They've made Aliyah an in-think for Jews in America. They've made Aliyah a gazillion times easier than it's ever been. And um, we not only thank them, but we congratulate them for the amazing work that they do. The Israel Show is proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. Visit their website, www.nbn, Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il. Nefesh Benefesh, revolutionizing Aliyah. Well, in two days from now, it will be the 42nd anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. It gets more and more distant. It is harder and harder to remember for those who were alive. And for those who weren't alive, it is really hard to imagine. But the Yom Kippur War, the first two or three days, beside being a watershed mark in Israel, Israeli history, event that changed Israel forever. But in those first few days, the state of Israel was in danger of being destroyed, literally, to the extent that the famous Moshe Dayan, who was Minister of Defense at the time, was so shaken, and he was heard saying, and there are recordings of it, or recordings of, of generals saying they heard it from him, this is the fall of the third temple. The Egyptians 
and the Syrians surprised Israel even though all the signs were there. The Yom Kippur War teaches us that we can't be haughty. We can't think we're great, we're the greatest, we're undefeatable. And clearly, when we do stupid things, we get uh, what we deserve. And the state of Israel was not careful, did not see any of the signs, so many of them were there. Lost thousands of young men, traumatized thousands more, and as we said, changed the state of Israel forever. So many iconic songs. We'll play this one, Omi Shemer's Lu Yehi, sung by Shuli Natan, remembering the Yom Kippur War, those days of awe, literally, and all that fell were injured, were traumatized, whose lives changed forever. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
the great Shuli Natan with uh, Lu Yehi, written by uh, Nomi Shemer during the Yom Kippur War. And uh, those who ask, yes, Nomi Shemer said very openly that the song, the concept of Lu Yehi was based on the famous song of the Beatles, Let It Be. But um, just that. There's a great, maybe one day we'll play it, or maybe we did play it, I don't remember. I'm just It just hit me now that there's a, a great rendition of Lu Yehi and Let It Be, a combination of the two by a go- Israeli gospel choir. It's awesome. Wow, we have to do that one day. Um, my name is Mayor Weingarten. Did I tell you? My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Um, please do join us during the week when we're not doing the show on our Facebook page. We post on occasion interesting stuff, stuff that we think you won't see elsewhere or that you'll see elsewhere, but but not right away. It'll take a while. We're, we're, we're out there. We're, we're right on top of things for you. And, um, of course, we post all the links to the show, to the songs that we play during the show. And if there's a particular story or article that we read or something like that, we'll post that as well. So uh, it's facebook.com slash the Israel show. And uh, please take a look. Have a listen. Give us a like. We appreciate that. We have two more likes over the past few weeks, but but it's slow. It's slow. Look, we were away. We're on vacation. We understand. Don't worry. We do understand. Want to mention briefly that there is a major terror war going on right now in Israel, mainly in Yerushalayim. Mainly. But also in other parts of Yehudan Shamron. And we don't hear about it in the media in the United States, and I'm sure in the media elsewhere. The Israeli media, of course, speaks of it in their own way. But it's important for us to know that every day, every day, there are dozens of small attacks Rock throwing, window busting, Molotov cocktails being thrown at cars, into homes. Armona Natsiv, which is right next to an Arab neighborhood, a quite violent and radical Arab neighborhood, Jabal Amul Qatar, is being hit. The houses that are abutting the Arab neighborhood, Armona Natsiv, are getting hit by Molotov cocktails or by, by rocks. It's crazy. And the government says they're going to do, they're going to this, but the Arabs unfortunately see very well that Israel doesn't react out of strength, but out of weakness. Not judging. Just saying, those are the results. Israel has announced that it will be more forceful. The rules of engagement have been changed, supposedly, or so they say. And I hope things will change, but it's important for us to know, and especially now, during the Yamim Noraim, and even over Sukkot, 
let us keep in mind our brothers and sisters in Israel as we always do but even more so now when this horrific terror war literally a war of terror is taking place now people will say oh they throw stones it's kids no that stones kill little girl from the Dadon family was killed by a stone hurled at a car. And by the way, you know that story of David and Goliath? How David took a stone and put it in his slingshot and, and, and killed the giant Goliath? We all know that story. If you look at the films, at the clips of these Arab kids, that's what they're using. They're using what we believe David used. It's not a slingshot as we think of it in America where you pull back with an elastic and it shoots. It's, it's actually a little, uh, um, like a little piece of, um, leather or, or cloth and a long string. You put the rock inside the leather and you swing it. Swing, swing, swing it around and around and around and around until it gains a tremendous amount of centrifugal force and then there's a way to flick it and the rock goes flying with great force and can kill somebody if it hits the right spot on the window of a car or a soldier. And they taunt the soldiers. There was a film uh, about two weeks ago of a, of a soldier armed to the teeth but literally being attacked by females by women from an Arab town who knew that he wasn't going to shoot and he didn't it's amazing but boy do we look weak and as we enter the uh, the the days of awe the Yom Kippur we should remember all of the situation in Syria the situation in Syria is is crazy Russia is literally taking over Syria it's threatening Israel's independence in the skies of Syria and Lebanon. Israel fly, they deny it, but Israel Air Force flies over Syria and Lebanon every single day. And ISIS, known in Israel as Daesh, is getting closer and closer to the border. And the Russians have brought in their military planes and their surface-to-air missiles and will take away Israel's independence. That's why Benjamin Netanyahu right now at this very moment is in Moscow meeting with Putin. And he took along with him Israel's chief of staff, Gary Eisenkot. Where is the U.S. in all this? As Russia just moves into the Middle East and, and, and starts to dominate it more and more? Nowhere. Nowhere. The President of the United States has doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And sadly, the Republicans are, are, are busy calling each other names. So we have a lot, a lot, a lot to pray for. On Yom Kippur and the holidays that follow, we'll spend a lot of time in Shul. Let's keep all this in mind. We'll end off with Netana Tokef. You know, I, I've discovered a few years ago, and it shocked me, but it shouldn't have. I discovered a few years ago that our Sephardic brethren 
don't say Natanakot Tokaf. It's not one of their It's an Ashkenazic period. Written by an Ashkenazi in the Europe. Never made it. It's amazing that it never made it to the Sephardic liturgy. They have their own Putin. We played before, Kel Norali La. And there are many more. Great, great piyutim that we don't know. But we all see Natana Tokaf as, as the pinnacle of the Yamim Noraim. Miba Mayim, Miba Eish. And this Vardim don't even know that it exists. Well, in uh, 1990, Yair Rosenblum, who is considered a secular, I, I, I think the lines between secular and religious keep blurring, was considered a secular Jew. A composer presented a modern version to the ancient prayer of Netanatokef. And he did so in commemoration of 11 sons of Kibbutz Beit Hashita who were killed in the Yom Kippur War. And the Yom Kippur War changed the way many Israelis look at Yom Kippur and many in Kibbutzim who didn't necessarily keep Yom Kippur as a Yom Hadin, if you will. It connected everybody. And this new composition by Yair Rosenblum is, takes into account motifs, musical motifs of both Ashkenazic and Sephardic backgrounds, various different cultures that all come together in Israel. And this Natana Tokef, which uh, became very, very popular in Israel, is sung by many, many shuls in Israel and was uh, re-recorded years later, years after its composition, by Avram Fried. We're going to play the original by <clears throat> the soloist is Hanoch El Balak and the Givatron. It is uh, definitely goosebumps when you hear the song and you think about the background. And we're going to end with it. Not before we thank you all. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for uh, all your Facebook likes, your comments. Thanks to the Stafford and Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon with appropriate music for an Arab, Arab Yom Kippur. Until, uh, let's see, two, three Mondays from now, after uh, the Monday after Shmini Atzeret, when we meet, following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. <laughs> Vote <laughs> 
Oh, 